0: Let's open our Bibles, Colossians chapter 1. It's bright out here. It's nice where you're at. It's like you can see the sun. Um, Before we do that, though, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 for one moment first Thessalonians chapter 1 that's the very next book and uh, I just wanted to read verse 3 we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ I read uh, this these verses this morning and um, it instantly made me think about the festival you know was yesterday an awesome day yeah we're all tired and wore out but you know was that an incredible day or what Uh, it's definitely the best one that uh, that we have ever had and people it was a steady stream of people all day long but uh, these verses here that that um, what I saw was a whole bunch of people that were serving the work produced by faith labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope that uh, there was a lot of work going on there was a lot of labor and there was a lot of endurance because it's a long five hours some of you were like at the same spot for like five hours straight you never even got to leave your spot and uh you know i got to travel around from place to place all day long but um for you folks you know it's by it's by hope and the, the whole concept of the festival of hope is that our hope is found in god and in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I think that uh, that was awesome to see that the labors. And on the other side too, I, I I know that there was fruit. I heard about people who prayed to receive Christ yesterday, and that's really what it's all about, right? Can we clap for that? I mean, that's that's something to be to be happy about. That's what we you know we want to see, as people come to Jesus. So, let's turn back now to Colossians chapter one. And uh, again, I, I thank each and every one of you for your heart of serving because of your faith, your love, and your hope. We looked last week at verses 12 to 14, speaking about going from darkness to light, that we were rescued from the dominion of darkness. We were rescued, and we were brought into the kingdom of the Son that He loves, the kingdom of light this whole concept, again, from cover to cover, this idea of darkness and light, the theme of darkness darkness and light throughout the whole Bible. And, And I really hope, and I hope that you, and I hope that each one of us knows the difference between the darkness and the light. Without God in our lives, we are certainly in the dark. We may not even know it, but without God, until that light comes on, until we know the light of Jesus Christ. We don't even know sometimes that we're in the dark. We have kind of a clue like something, that something isn't quite right. I think we even within our own souls, we know that, uh, you know that something is not right. We were created to have fellowship with God, and there's something missing. There's something that's not there. But God sent His Son, His glorious Son, the light of the world, to rescue us. And He, Jesus, is the light, the true light. The light of the world and whoever follows him jesus said will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life so the question is are you and i following him have we come to him and that's where the light is that's where forgiveness is i i want to one other thing i want to look at before we uh move on a little bit is is in psalm chapter 130 if you want to turn there with me psalm 130 i wanted to uh it's a very short psalm but it's a very powerful because we saw last week, it says that in Him is redemption and the forgiveness of sins. We, we're rescued from the dominion of darkness, brought into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the Son He loves. But we're also, in Him, we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. But look at, uh, look at Psalm 130 says, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Verse 3, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who, O Lord, who could stand? And I could say amen to that, right? If he kept a record, every one of your sins, every one of my sins, who could stand? But he says, but with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. And I wait. For the Lord my soul waits. In his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, and us today as well, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Full redemption. We read it in Colossians. In him we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. And he himself, see that? He himself. Will redeem Israel from all their sins. Of course, this is the Old Testament, written way, way, way before Jesus ever came. He says He Himself will redeem Israel, and that's exactly what happened—that God came Himself, and that's what we're going to see here in today's section of the book of Colossians, first chapter of Colossians. I've entitled the message a very, uh, you know, a very catchy title. Um, I've entitled it "Jesus." Do you think you can remember that one? Yes. Jesus. Because, because really that's what it's all about. And the book, we know we're studying this book and, and really about like, what it's all about and the battles and the false teaching that it was coming in. And Paul just teaching about who Jesus is. That's what the message is. It's, it's Jesus, our King. I thought of that old, uh, the words for that old hymn, crown him with many crowns. And that comes out of Revelation chapter 19, verse 12. But let me read to you some of the the beginnings of those stanzas. There's like 12 different verses of that hymn. And uh, it says, Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Crown him the Lord of love. Crown him the Lord of life. Crown him the Lord of heaven. Crown him the Lord of lords. Jesus. It's about Jesus. Well, you don't have this special message that I can think about. No, the message is Jesus, it always is Jesus, gonna be Jesus, it always will be Jesus. If I start to teach you about stuff that's kind of weird, if I start to veer away from the what the message is, the truth of God's word and the simplicity and the supremacy of Jesus Christ, I ask you to go somewhere else. You know, we talk to folks and they go somewhere, well, they'll make you feel good, but then you don't know uh, really anything more about who Jesus is. You don't know any more about what the Word of God said. And if we don't open the book, that's a little bit scary, isn't it? The message Peter said in Acts chapter 10, he says, the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8, Yet for us there is what but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. There is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. It's all about Jesus. Now verses 15 through 20 in this section here, uh, they believe possibly could have been an early Christian hymn where they put music to it and, and and this way they were able to memorize and know these words that say here but let's let's look at uh, verse 15 let's start there he who is he Jesus. okay you got the title good you're going to remember this message is about who Jesus. what's the title of the message Jesus. i can't hear you Jesus. see if val was here she'd get you yelling all out and everything but she left <laughs> she ran he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Now, God is invisible, right? It says in John 1:18, no one has ever seen God, but it says God, the one and only, who was at the Father's side, has made him known. In other words, he came to reveal God to us. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the revelation of God. Warren Wiersbe said the exact representation of revelation. That's why Jesus could say to Philip, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has what? Seen the Father. Seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus Christ, you've seen the Father. Again, this is the idea of, G- that of who Jesus Christ is. He is the Son, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. God the incarnate god come down this is again we talked about cults and false teaching you know so many times we we know this is the first area that they diverge from about who jesus christ is well he's a good teacher he's maybe he's a prophet he's a good he has a good kind of revelation and kind of a, a um, you know mystical sense and everything but if we stop there, we're we're cut, You know, we're 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 stopping too short. We are not giving him the glory that is due to him because he is God. He is the image of the invisible God. He is God in the flesh. John chapter one verse fourteen: The Word became flesh and what dwelt among, dwelt among us. In Hebrews chapter one, it says that the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, the exact representation of his being. That's why he could say that to Philip. You've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus, God with us. Emmanuel, that's what they called him. An interesting verse in 2 Corinthians 4, it says, The God of this age, who is who? The God of this age, Satan, the devil, he says he is blind in the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They look at Jesus and they can't see the fact that he is God in the flesh. That he is the image, the representation, the exact representation of God. The radiance of God's glory. We need to be praying for people that we don't know, that their eyes would be open to see who Jesus is. Not to see how cool you are. I know you're cool and everything, but there's not a one of us has ever helped anybody to see who Jesus is unless Jesus is living in us and through us. And we're praying for their eyes to be unblinded so that they can see the glory of Christ, the glory of Jesus he goes on to say there, not only is the image of the invisible God, he's the firstborn over all creation. This is the place of the firstborn. You have to understand the, the way the Bible looks at this word is, is that it was a place of status, that he was superior over The firstborn had all the extra, he got all the extra blessings, all the extra rights and privileges. This isn't saying... And, and, and false cults will take this verse and, and twist it, saying that, well, but he was, he was born, he, he, uh, he just, you know, he, he was created. He was a created being. But what it says here is he is the firstborn over all creation. That's a big difference. He's not over himself. Look at the next verse, verse 16, it says, for by who? By him all things were created. By who? By Jesus, all things were created. So did he create himself? I mean, that's ridiculous to think that. Throughout the Bible, we see that Jesus, God the Son, was the agent of creation through whom all things came, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Through whom he's the agent of creation, Jesus. When you take things out of context, when you give words different meanings than they should have, you you can make Jesus whoever you want him to be. Well, he's my buddy. He's you know the guy who sits on the shelf in my house, and I maybe I'll burn a candle to it, or maybe I'll uh, you know say hi to it every time I go by, or something. Or maybe he's just the you know the the force in my life that that I can find a little bit of comfort from. Man, what what you know we're we're. Uh, Again, falling far too short about who he really is. Paul, teaching against false doctrine there, he's teaching about who Jesus is. In John chapter 1, it says, Through him, that is through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, if he is a created being, how could he be the creator? How could he possibly be the creator? Look at verse 16 again. For by him, all things were created... Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. All things. How many things does that include? All things is all things. But not himself. Again, let's keep this in context. He's the creator. Nothing was made without him. That pretty much covers everything. It puts him above all things. It puts him above every uh, type of power, every type of uh, angelic being, which was one of the false teachings they had there where they, you know, angelic beings were kind of put on this pedestal. And, and, and we see that even now today. Angels sometimes you know, are, are you know, prayed to and you know, help you in every part of your life. Well, I believe the Bible says that God does use angels to help us in our lives, but our focus is not to be on the angels. The focus is to be on what? On Jesus, right? Jesus. What's the title of this message again? I don't know if you can remember that. He says, Jesus is raised from the dead in Ephesians 1, seated at the right hand. In the heavenly realms of the Father, He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. At the right hand is a place of what? Power, Power, a place of authority. Again, the firstborn over all creation. He says, far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion, every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Jesus. All things created by Him, for Him. Not only created by him, but also for him. Created for him. We're, you and I are created for him. So when we reject him and we turn away from him, how long can we do this on our own? How long can we... What was the name of that sign you were going to put up? Sign? Yeah. Are you living in rebellion? Are you living in rebellion? He was going to put that up on the prayer tent yesterday. <laughs> are you living in rebellion? And the people would flock over to get prayer (laughs) after he put that up. But that's the truth of it is we're shaking our fist at God when we reject who Jesus Christ is. That we were created for him. We are created by him and for him. Look at verse 17. It doesn't stop there. He is before all things. He is before all things. See that? He's eternal. He's preexistent. He is one with the Father in His eternity. In John chapter 1, again, the verses say, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning. Later, it says, the Word became flesh. So we see the eternal nature of who Jesus is. But, you know, we just want to think that He's some kind of nice being. Some kind of spirit. The, and the weirdness of all the cults and the the places that they give him, he's the brother of Satan. Or he's some spirit being that came up out of this or that. And, and Jesus was uh, blowing their minds when he said in John chapter 8, he said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. Like, what is he talking about? Before Abraham was born, I am. Well, when you use that kind of language, uh, one person said the present tense is often used in the Bible to describe the timelessness of deity. I am, he says. In fact, the word Yahweh is, is a, a form of, the, uh, of this same kind of concept. The one who is is one translation uh, of understanding that word Yahweh, the word where we see in the Old Testament L-O-R-D in capitals. That's a translation of the word Yahweh, which means the one who is. I am, he says. Notice there in the second half, verse 17, it says, in him all things hold together. In him all things hold together. What in the world does that mean? What The question, I think, should be, what holds it all together? Who holds it all together? Is somebody, is anything holding it all together? I think that there is. And here, this verse is telling us that Jesus is the one holding it all together. That he holds the universe together. And I certainly know in my own life that he holds me together. And, and, and he holds you together. Sometimes we think, well, I'm you know, holding myself together. Well, good, good luck to you. Because if he let go of you, and he let go of me, and he let go of this universe, watch out. Some of you physicists, maybe. How many of you are physicists? <laughs> All of you, I can see that. <laughs> you know, they talk about the gluon of the universe. How many of you heard of gluon? It was kind of in the news not that long ago. They are talking about the, what is it, boson? or I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But you know, kind of trying to figure out the the last little piece, which kind of holds things together. And some people, you know, I, I'm not a physicist, so I'm not even going to try to comment on that. But, but I, I certainly do believe that God is the one, and Jesus is the one that is holding all together. It all together, whether He is the glue on, or He created the glue on, or He makes the glue on work, or whatever. It doesn't matter. The fact is that we need to give Him that place of understanding that it, that he holds it together not not some scientific primordial uh, explosion right the big bang that made it all and and then it all just started working after that it all came together and and happened and uh, that's not what the bible teaches the bible says here in him all things consist all things hold together and again, so when we're in rebellion to him, what what do we have to look forward to in our own lives? How about verse 18? It says, And he, who? Who is he? Jesus. He Jesus is the head of the body of the church. He's the head of the body of the church. He's not, it's not some man that people say, Well, we want you to be the head of the church now. We're gonna make you the head of the church. People, yeah. You know, there are people who serve in the church. Yes, that's true. But, but who is the head of the church? It's Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church, not some man, not some woman, not anyone. Jesus, the head of the church. It says here, he's the beginning. And the firstborn from among the dead, so so that in everything he might have the supremacies, the first to rise from the dead and never to die again. There were some that had risen from the dead earlier, but not not that they would die again. But now Jesus Christ, the first to defeat death, the firstborn from the dead, it says in Revelation chapter 1 and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Revelation chapter 1. He's the first of the resurrection, the first to defeat death. And really the the summation of it all is is found in the last part there that I read to you in verse 18. In everything, so that... All these things we just read about who? Jesus. Jesus so that in everything he might have the supremacy. That's really that's the theme of the book of Colossians, Jesus Christ having the supremacy, that he is preeminent. There's none like him. There's no other one that, that even comes close. John Corson said this, all of creation centers around Jesus, is held together by Jesus, points to Jesus, finds its fulfillment in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus. That's why I couldn't think of any catchy title to think about this except Jesus. Jesus Christ, number one, always, forever. Everything, all things, all creation. Jesus. Look at verse 19 and. For God was pleased to have all His fullness. How much? All. All His fullness dwell in Him. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. How? By making peace through His blood shed on the cross. You see, God wanted to make reconciliation, so He sent His Son. God so loved the world, He wanted to have a relationship. He wanted to have reconciliation. He wanted to, for us and Him to get together, so He sent His Son. Through Him, through Jesus, to reconcile, to make reconciliation possible through the cross. That's why it says in Ephesians that You who were once far away, now in Christ Jesus, you have been brought near through the blood of Christ. This cross, this cross, we have a simple cross in the field behind us. We have a cross inside the church. Why? Because that's where it all comes together for you and for me. Reconciliation, that we can begin a relationship with God, that we can continue a relationship with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 21. He says, Therefore, once... You were alienated from God, and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Alienated from God. Do you you remember what it's like to be alienated from God, to have no relationship with Him, to be far from Him? Now, yes, I know that at times we, you know, even as believers, there are times that we feel some kind of alienation. David in the Psalms many times says, God, I don't know where you are. I, I, I cry out to you. I'm not hearing you. I'm not... I'm having trouble with this relationship with you right now. But that's very different from being totally in alienated from God to be, from being an enemy of God because of who we are because of the sinfulness of our own hearts. Because of the sinfulness of our own minds. We saw it and even in the skit yesterday, you see there's no different message for kids than there is for adults. The fact is that we are the sin in our hearts makes us at enmity enemies of God and unless that sin is dealt with through the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross we will not be able to have a relationship we will be alienated from God there is no other way to bring us together there is no other path no other secret formula no other transcendental meditation that's going to bring you together with God it is only one way through the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ that's what he's saying here for the human race, there's no answer other than Jesus Christ. But now, verse 22, and I'm almost done here. I'm going to go to verse 23. But now, he has reconciled you. How? By Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Notice here that he, but now he, has reconciled you. Who took the initiative here? It wasn't me. Certainly it wasn't me. It was God. He took the initiative, right? He sent His Son. He took the first step in this reconciliation. Some people, again, they take these verses and they try to make them say what they're not saying. And they'll say that in a verse like this and the the, uh, verses around it that, you know, it's an automatic thing that he has just reconciled everything and all things. But it isn't automatic, is it? Because the context of the scripture tells us even in the next verses we're going to read it, it takes what? We're saved by grace through... Faith, that, that it's not an automatic thing, that you and I need to come to the cross of Jesus Christ. We need to come to the, to the Savior through faith in the cross, through faith in what He's done. You and I are not going to make it any other way. You weren't born a Christian, despite what somebody might have told you. You weren't baptized and made a Christian despite what somebody might have told you. You were not made a Christian by what your parents did or or, or said. But you and I are, are made believers. We become believers by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. There is no other way. There is no other avenue, no other, other way to, to get right and be reconciled with God. And I hate to say it, but the whole world is not taking that step if you look around do you see the whole world humbling themselves before the cross of Jesus Christ I can't see it but it's the only hope that you and I have the only hope that you and I have but, but notice what he does say there in that verse is that, that through this death that he would present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation does that mean that you're never going to sin again No, it's because through the blood of Jesus Christ, he sees us washed, completely cleansed. He sees us for for what we are in the in the body of Jesus Christ, in the washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what he sees. He sees us in the Son, you see. He sees us through his Son Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean we just go out and do everything we want to do because it's all covered anyways? Bad attitude. That's what that is. Bad attitude. B.A. Baracus. Bad attitude. Verse 23, he says, If, he says all these things, you've been reconciled, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This, he says, is the gospel if you continue in your faith. So does that make it based upon us? Well, i got to work really, really hard now. I've given my life to Jesus Christ. He, he saved me from my sins. He washed me with his blood. But, you know, i got to work really, really hard now or it might just be taken away from me tomorrow. If I do something really bad, if I do a certain kind of sin, I might not be saved tomorrow. And then maybe I can get saved all over again, right? Is that how it goes? Thank God. Thank God that's not how it is. That true faith. When someone is truly saved, when someone is truly born again, is, is that this is the life that we have given ourselves into, and we are going to continue in the faith of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that we don't have to give it all we have and put everything we have. We saw that. The, the labor and the work and the endurance and those things that you know are, are, are that are part of who we are. But one man said this, continuance is a proof of reality. And John Corson again, I like what he says here, I cannot in good conscience assure someone who walked forward at a crusade 20 years ago or was baptized six summers ago but has not continued in the faith that he will be presented to the Father as being holy and blameless. See what he's saying? It's not going forward at at some crusade, though that is a is a good step to take obviously it's not you know that you were baptized not that you said a certain prayer it's it's that your heart has been completely turned around by the by the gospel of Jesus Christ and you would do nothing else but following him if you if you know someone who has just completely walked away from the faith you can't tell them well you're going to be okay because you don't see the fruit of it right now you and I can't look inside someone's heart to know if they truly are born again or not We can't know if they're just in a kind of a backslidden state where they have have just, you know, they're they're just walking away from God for this period of time, but they're truly born again in their heart and their, their spirit has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But you can't sit there and tell them, hey, you're you're okay. You said a prayer, you said a certain thing, you did something, you took a step. The warning passages in the book of Hebrews are that, you know, hey, you better watch you better watch that. You better be careful. 2 Corinthians, Corinthians says, you know, check yourself out, see if you really are in the faith. Examine yourselves to see if you really are in the faith. And one of the one of the things of it is is that you have that you are are continuing on. Well, you know, I don't really care about it much anymore, but you know, I said a prayer, so I'm gonna go to heaven. Whoa, be careful there. Be careful. That's probably another bad attitude, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, you know, some of us will get in by the skin of our teeth. He doesn't use that phrase. But it's close to that. We'll get he he it's probably worse than that. He says we're going to get in as though by fire. And and you know, Everything that we've done in our old lives are kind of all going to be just burned up. It's like wood, hay, and stubble. But he says, you know, those that, you know, build upon the good foundation of Jesus Christ and build something good, that, you know, those things will remain. They'll get through the fire. And maybe some of us are like that. But I can't, in good conscience, like John Corson says, just say, well, yeah, you're probably okay. You're probably going to make it. He says here in this verse, the hope that's held out in the gospel. Not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Like, where would you want to go anywhere else? That's what Peter said to Jesus, right? Jesus said some difficult things in John chapter 6, right? And it says in verse 66, 666, that many of them, they walked away. They, They no longer followed him. They said, it's too much. It's too deep, it's too hard, it's too spiritual, it's, you know, I I can't party, I can't do the things that I want to do. It says many walked away, they, they they no longer followed him. Well, are you going to tell me that those people are going to be okay? No. But Peter looked at him and 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 jesus is there and they're having this conversation he says are you are you going to go as well are you going to leave too and and what did peter say where else could we go to you to you alone have the words of eternal life there's no other way there's no other place to go well you know i got saved by jesus but now i'm continuing in my my uh, transcendental meditation with yoga and and uh, i'm going to get there you know, uh, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to continue on and make what makes me feel good. And that's what was happening in, in this city, this little city of Colossae. They were adding all kinds of weird stuff. No, Paul says. If you continue in your faith, if you're a person who is, your, your life has been turned around, where would you go? That verse in Hebrews where he said, We, have, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, right? Firm and secure. We have that on our shirts. Those of you who didn't get a shirt, man, I feel bad for you because those are awesome shirts. But that's what it says on the back. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. But, but, but that first part in verse, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, I like it where it says, we have fled to take hold of that hope offered to us. You ran there. You got there as, as quick as you could. You you saw that this is the only hope there is in life. I remember my oldest brother, you know, he was he was sick. There was something wrong with him. We didn't know what it was. We went... I, he says, you know, he says, you know, there's something in your life. I, I, I got to know what it is. I want... I, I You know, I'm... He just said he wanted what we had. So... I got kind of nervous, you know, but, but I knew. And I took him to the church, and, and Mike McIntosh was preaching one night in, in Acts chapter 2, and it says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I can still remember, I don't remember a lot of messages from that many years ago, but I remember that one because uh, he, he, he had something wrong with his hip. He could, you know, they thought he had some kind of a back problem where he could barely walk. But when Mike gave that message and he gave the invitation and he said, he said, if that's you, he says, get up out of your seat and come forward. My brother, he got up. He was the first one that got up. He, could, he almost ran down there. He fled to take hold of the hope that was offered to him. He fled, ended up having cancer and died six months later. But he went to the hope. He fled to take hold of that hope. And we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. That song we sang today, you know, things change. Things all around us are hard, but but, but one thing remains. The love of Jesus Christ for you and I. That's the hope that's going to hold us secure. It's held out to us. Not moved from the hope held out to us. It's held out to us, and are we going to flee to him to take hold of it? That's the question. So the name of the message again is... Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, the creator, eternal, holding it all together, head of the church, the beginning of resurrection, defeat of death. That's just in these couple of verses. The rest of the the New Testament revealing who he is. Jesus is found in the Old Testament as well. They say that, you know, in the Old Testament, we see Christ concealed, in the Old Testament, Christ revealed. It's all made clear. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. That's a festival. No other name, no other way, no other path, no other savior, no other life. Are you in the faith today? Are you continuing your faith? You know that there's no other place to go. I gotta I, I got keep my eyes on the cross. I gotta keep my eyes on Jesus. You know that. that's you today? Hey, we're here to help each other on that path, those of us that know what that's all about. We're here to help one another. Maybe you're having a struggle. You can come and have someone pray for you today. I've asked and, and said, I'm having trouble keeping this, that, whatever, I need help, and need prayer. Maybe you're still kind of in that place where you're, you're just not so sure about this. You know, I like the concept of Jesus, but I don't know about me giving my life to Him. I don't know about me surrendering to Him. I don't know about that. Well, let me tell you what, there's no hope in anywhere else. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, says in Acts chapter 4. There's no other way, no other name. I want you to think about that. Today, before you leave this place, have you given yourself to Him? And that's what's going to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free, free from accusation. That's what's going to reconcile you to the Father, putting your trust in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's all stand and pray, shall we? Let's all stand. Let's do something different. We're outside, it's different. And Our gracious Father, we come before you now and we... We thank you more than anything else for Jesus. It's all about him. It's number one. And maybe some of us, we need to kind of take a little bit of time and and just kind of refocus, realign. We've kind of wandered a little bit, maybe like in Hebrews, we've drifted a little bit off course and we need to like, get back. stretch forward forgetting those things that are behind reach reaching forward to those things which are before us the cross of jesus cleanse us and forgive us lord but we want to we want to just go forward with you we don't want to we don't want to fall by the wayside we don't want to be like those in the parable of the sower that just kind of wither and waste away we want to follow you with all of our hearts all of our soul all of our mind all of our strength So, God, we come, we we offer ourselves to you anew this morning. If that's you this morning, just take a moment right now between you and God. Say, here I am, my Savior, I come to thee. Maybe, Lord, there's someone here, maybe one person, maybe more, who are just kind of at that place, and they they know that the, the search is over. I finally found what my heart knows it needs the Savior, Jesus. If that's you this morning. You've come to the right place. You've come to Jesus, not to a church, but to a person, the person of Jesus. And all you need to do is simply pray and and truly surrender your heart and life to Him. It's not, it's not the saying of the prayer. It's an, it's, it's an attitude of heart. It's a change of heart. It's a heart that surrenders and says, Lord, Forgive me, wash me, cleanse me by that blood, the blood of Jesus, your son, that I might worship and adore the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the beginning, that's where you start. If that's you today, take a moment right now. Don't leave here without him, it's not safe. It's just not safe without him. Father, again, we come and we, we thank you for the hope that's held out to us in the gospel. And today we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Today we celebrate what you've given to us. Today we worship who you are, Lord Jesus. One more little prayer too, Lord. Hold us together. Please, Lord, hold us together. Hold me together, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.